What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Nutra Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Dalala. That's me, Phil. That is you. It's this guy. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, it's such a treat to be able to talk some football, some Broncos football with you, Eric, here on the Neutral Zone. And, you know, there's never really a quiet week the immediately following the end of the season for the Broncos. There's always something going on. Of course, right now, the Broncos in the midst of a GM search for the first time in really a decade here, Eric, that the Broncos are navigating these waters. And it seems like they've picked uh, a handful of guys, very qualified guys that uh, would do a great job if they were to come in. Yeah, Phil, we've heard of five people that have, you know, reportedly or confirmed, uh, Joe Ellis did confirm that Champ Kelly would be among those, but five guys uh, that will be among the people that the Broncos plan to interview, at least in this initial wave. Um, and those guys, of course, Phil Champ Kelly from the Chicago Bears, um, Terry Fontenot from the New Orleans Saints, uh, Dave Ziegler from the New England Patriots, George Payton from the Minnesota Vikings, and then Brian Stark, of course, from the Denver Broncos. So casting a wide net here. Uh, and I think there's plenty of those guys who are very capable, very qualified, would make good GMs. So some good choices out there for Denver. Yeah, Eric. And uh, maybe we could go into each one of those and talk about why they might be a good fit for the Broncos. So uh, we'll plan on doing that through uh, this episode of the Neutral Zone. We also have a special guest joining us today, uh, Eric Peter King from NBC Sports. We'll uh, weigh in on what he thinks of this Broncos opening and maybe some of the candidates that are reportedly uh, going to interview here with the Broncos and maybe just uh, talking a little bit about where the Broncos stand right now as a franchise moving forward. So uh, make sure you stick around for that interview. Eric and I will talk about what the number one priority is for this general manager, whoever it is, when they come in, what's the first thing they need to do? We'll dive into that a little bit. And then we'll wrap up the show talking about uh, maybe our playoff picks this weekend, Eric. Uh, you know, it's been a while since the Broncos have, were still playing this week. You Sometimes you forget, hey, there's still football going on right now. Yeah, hard to believe that as we're in the midst of this GM search, Phil. Some teams were out of practice today. Yeah. I could have exactly. been out there tweeting who is limited, who is full. I miss those days. Maybe with the right hire, Eric, we'll be That's doing that goal. next year. That's the hope. We'll be doing that next year. Yeah. Well, so. hopefully next year, Phil, we won't be doing it this time. We'll be on the bye. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Or actually, maybe even next year, it'll be week 17 of the regular season. <laughs> that's true. Three more games still to go. <laughs> yeah. The postseason begins in March. Who knows what's going to happen? Watch out college basketball. There's a new, <laughs> there's a new rival for March. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Eric, uh, I think that that's going to be a very nice episode here. Uh, anyone listening, you want to be a part of neutral zone, please call in, leave a voicemail at 707 neutral. That is the hotline that uh, goes straight to Eric's voicemail and he listens to all of those. So uh, 
if you'd like to be a part of the show, not just listen, but maybe we say something today that just gets you so fired up that you've got to leave a voicemail. 707 neutral is that number and Eric will listen to it. Eric also likes to uh, read emails too, right? That's right, Phil. And you can send those to neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. And Phil, I will say, we got a lot of voicemails, a lot of emails in reply to our last podcast. We got to keep powering through the GM search, but we're reading them, we're listening. The zonies will still happen for anyone who's concerned. Yes. uh, Just not today. Originally, this episode was supposed to be the zonies the awards that we go back and give uh, to Broncos players from this past season. We we've got a great show uh, when that time comes, Eric, I know that you got your tuxedo pressed. Um, it's ready to go. Um, I might even get a haircut for the show, Eric. Um, Wouldn't so. count on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, Phil, the one that I'll bring up now is somebody said that my new year's resolution should be to be nicer to you. And so, oh going to try to start that out today. There's already been a couple opportunities here where I would normally have taken a shot at you, but I've let them pass. I'm doing my best. And we'll see if it uh, if we can make it halfway through the episode or something like that. Don't try too hard because then, you know, I'll miss I'll miss that edginess, Eric. I that's like your edge. That's yeah, that's what makes this show special. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can also blast Eric directly on Twitter. It's at Eric Delala with an A. If you have a nice comment, maybe some constructive criticism for me, it's at Phil Milani with a PH. Or if you want to just blast the show in general, leave a comment here on YouTube and uh, we'll read that as well. So a lot of ways to blast. <laughs> That's right. Erica, let's dive into uh, this GM search here and uh, talk about some of the reported candidates that the Broncos will be interviewing. Uh, let's start with George Payton. Eric, because I think that uh, maybe out of all of these guys uh, on this list, by the way, if you want to find out who the Broncos are talking to, what's the latest information, there is a GM tracker on DenverBroncos.com that I know Eric personally updates every five minutes. So that's right. Nothing set in stone, Phil. We're not chiseling out of rocks. This is, you know, this is a fluid situation. So we're updating as new information comes in. Um, but like you said, Phil, uh, George Payton was one of the earlier candidates to kind of get identified as someone uh, who could be a good fit for this job. He, uh, you know, he, he's probably the most experienced, currently the VP of player personnel and the assistant GM for the Minnesota Vikings. He's been involved in a lot of those decisions, especially in the draft uh, process the last few years. Vikings, of course, have been very successful. They just found Justin Jefferson there with the 22nd pick. He obviously set a rookie record for receiving yards for a wide receiver. Um, and Phil, what's interesting to me is that of all these guys that we're going to talk about, Peyton probably has the most experience interviewing around. He's been close to accepting some GM jobs in the past. Last year, he was linked to Cleveland. and ended up withdrawing his name from that search. But this year, uh, we've got an article with Tom Pelissero, who of course, uh, he covers the Vikings, covers the league, but he, he just knows what's going on in Minnesota. He told me, Phil, about just it's hard to find someone better respected, a better candidate for a GM than George Payton. Um, and he seems like he thinks that Payton will take one of these. You know, I believe there's six openings now that he'll take one of those if offered. So um, whether in Denver or somewhere around the league, it sounds like he could be a guy somewhere. 
Wow. And that would be a big loss for Minnesota any way you cut it because he's been there for so long, since 2007, making big decisions for the Vikings. And, you know, someone who's not afraid to make a big trade, Eric, because last year you saw the Vikings move on from Stephon Diggs. That was a big trade. Ended up working out nicely for the Vikings as they got uh, Justin Jefferson later on in the draft. We, we heard Vic Fangio uh, when I talked to him after the season was over, he said the number one thing that they're looking for in a GM is someone who can talent evaluate, a great evaluator of talent. And, um, you know, I think that George Payton would definitely bring that, Eric, like you mentioned, uh, was close to a lot of jobs last offseason. You know, of course, uh, Kevin Stefanski went to Cleveland, so they thought maybe that would be a nice pairing, uh, a couple of Minnesota guys going together there in Cleveland. And that's another thing that Fangio talked about is that the GM and the head coach need to have a close relationship. They got to be able to work together nicely. And maybe a a guy who's been in the league, been around this for a long time in George Payton might be able to work well with Vic Fangio, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I think that when you look at teams across the NFL, I think that the the Vikings are an organization that has been run well recently. They've made good talent decisions. And uh, um, I think that, you know, if you bring in a guy like George Payton, you can assume that he would uh, continue that trend here in Denver. Now, Payton has uh, interviewed, uh, I think it was reported that he was interviewed with uh, the Detroit Lions already. And we know that there's a lot of jobs out there. So, uh, Eric, I do think that George Payton is probably pretty high on the Broncos list. Yeah, and in, in, and in high demand across the league, as I think a few of these guys that we'll mention are. Um, Champ Kelly's another one of those guys. So we'll have to see, Phil. And when these dominoes start to fall across the league, they start to fall quickly. So it could be very possible that, you know, we've seen reports that the Broncos may want to make this decision by Monday or Tuesday of next week. Um, so things can move quickly. And yeah, I think Peyton is one of those guys that will be involved in a lot of different searches. The lions, by the way, have interviewed 11 candidates for their GM opening. That's a lot. That's a lot, Eric. It is a lot. Uh, you mentioned a uh, uh, champ Kelly there, Eric, uh, let's talk about him for a little bit. Of course, he spent a long time here in Denver, uh, d- you know, working uh, with John Elway's staff. I think that uh, that would be a nice transition here from John Elway to Champ Kelly, somebody who's very familiar uh, with the way that John likes to do things, the way that the Broncos do things. He is currently the assistant director of player personnel in Chicago. Yeah, and, and, you know, Chip Kelly, I think, Phil, one of the alluring things about his candidacy is that he's done a lot of different things for this organization. You know, in a previous life, I guess you could say he was a collegiate football player and a semi-pro football player. He helped coach that team. He was an agent for a while, so he understands things from that sort of perspective. He worked in like football information technology for a little bit, so he's kind of brought some some new age um, IT stuff to to the football side of things in Chicago, and then of course he's helped with player evaluation. So he has a lot of different skill sets all married into one, um, you know, very capable candidate. And I think something else that's interesting about Champ Kelly that we've heard is he really connects with the players on the roster. And I know that. That was told, I was told that that's very unusual. And Phil, I think you would agree that 
a lot of times general managers kind of stay removed from the players on the roster just because it's difficult to form personal relationships when it's a business. But um, Dan Pompey of The Athletic, he did a story and he wrote about when uh, Champ Kelly worked with Eddie Royal back in Denver in the 2000s and said there's a a practice where Eddie Royal got into it with a teammate. He got really mad, ended up playing well the rest of that practice. And, And Champ Kelly, who worked in the front office, took him aside and said, hey, let's harness that anger. Let's use this. Um, it was just a good example. And I think that if there's one thing the Broncos could use, it might be a candidate that can kind of connect with the roster, um, kind of narrow that gap between the front office, the coaching staff, the players. And, and so I think Champ Kelly would bring that in. And he just has a really inspirational story. Phil just, he's really worked his way up from some, a tough, tough early start to his life. And uh, now a, a really good candidate. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we know Champ Kelly from here in Denver, a little bit of an unusual uh, way that he connects with people. Very personable. I mean, I got to know him in digital media. I mean, I would say that's unusual, you know, for the director of uh, pro scouting to have a relationship with someone in digital media. But, you know, he did this champ camp. He continues to do the champ camp uh, in areas that he has been very involved in the community and you get to know him. I'm not sure if you'll ever meet a nicer guy who works in this business. Get to see him catch up a little bit at the combine and different events, you know, throughout the off season. Obviously, he's got a relationship with Vic Fangio too from their time in Chicago. So he checks two boxes right off the bat there. Knows John Elway, knows Vic Fangio. Those are two big things here. And, uh, you know, you might say, okay, well, what's Chicago done since he's been there? What kind of big moves uh, have they made? Just a reminder, Champ Kelly was in Denver, was the director of pro scouting when they had that massive off-season haul of guys like Akeem Tlaib, Demarcus Ware, uh, Emmanuel Sanders and TJ Ward back in 2014. So that's the kind of guy who's scouting other pros around the NFL and uh, obviously very familiar with Denver. I think that would be a little bit of a contrast to a guy like George Payton, who has been around for a long time, has been a GM candidate for a long time, whereas Champ Kelly is sort of this up and comer. He's a name that, you know, maybe people consider him a rising star. Uh, he'd been reported to uh, have interviewed for the GM spot in Carolina already. And so uh, now obviously uh, we'll be interviewing with the Broncos. Uh, that was confirmed by both Vic Pangio and Joe Ellis. So um, a little bit of a different candidate than George Payton, just in terms of experience, but uh, definitely somebody who could come in here right away and hit the ground running. Yeah. And you know, the Chicago teams, they've struggled to find the quarterback. Obviously everyone knows what's what's happened with Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, but they do have a talented team. You know, they built the number one defense in the league a couple of years ago. They have made the playoffs two times in the last three years. So it's not like they're a slouch of an organization, but yeah, one of the the things that Dan Pompey told me was that yeah, this is no, normally you see head coaching and GM candidates come from Super Bowl organizations or teams that have been in the AFC or NFC championship that's not what the bears are. And so he thought that spoke even more highly of champ Kelly, that he's getting this attention despite the teams, you know, they're not on the level of the chiefs necessarily. And so that's interesting. And then like you mentioned, Phil, maybe a little bit more up and coming, but he has gone through the interview circuit before. And so it does feel like whether in Denver or somewhere else that he's probably reached his time to, to be a GM, which, you know, maybe Phil is, 
Champ Kelly a couple of years ago is maybe where a guy like Dave Ziegler is now. Yeah. And with that, Eric, that was a nice transition. Let's talk about Dave Ziegler here. Uh, obviously, seems like he might be due for an elevated role, even in New England, where he is now, because Nick Casario leaving there had worked a long time alongside Bill Belichick making roster decisions in New England. Casario goes to the Houston Texans now. So you think maybe Dave Ziegler would be due for a promotion right where he is, but he will be reportedly interviewing with the Broncos here. And um, he would bring that pedigree, a New England type of pedigree. And he's also somebody who has worked here in Denver prior. Previously. Yeah, another guy with another guy with Broncos connections, Phil. Um, Ziegler's interesting. I think he's also viewed as like he's an up and coming up and comer where a year or two from now, you might really look at him as a guy that is being talked about as a potential GM. And that's not to say he cannot uh, be a GM this year, but he was the assistant to Nick Casario, who is now, of course, the recently hired GM in Houston. Casario worked under Bill Belichick. And so you've kind of got an interesting setup there in New England where, you know, they've replaced some people over the last few years in the front office. Bill Belichick ultimately makes those personnel decisions. And so it's difficult to know exactly what, you know, Dave Ziegler or Nick Casario, what their roles are. Um, but he's, he's been the right-hand man for Casario. And so I think that speaks to the fact that if teams believe Casario is ready, they may, may well believe that Ziegler is ready as well. Um, and to me, Phil, that's the kind of hire you make if you think, hey, he's a he's a talent that, you know, we can't avoid to let get away here. Um, he is 43 years old. And I think what's interesting is a lot of these guys, you know, uh, a Champ Kelly, a, uh, you know, um, a George Payton. These are younger guys in their early 40s. And so I think regardless of who they choose, an influx of youth, I think, is a good thing. It could bring some new energy to the front office. Ziegler, uh, very close relationship with Josh McDaniels. When Josh McDaniels was rumored to be going to Cleveland last offseason, it was reported that Ziegler was going to go along with him to Cleveland. Of course, that did not materialize. They both ended up staying in New England. But that is... Indianapolis. I, th I think it was Cleveland where he, uh, where he was going to go. That was a couple of years ago that Josh McDaniels was going to Indianapolis, but he was yeah, rumored. I think Ziegler, I think Ziegler was going to go with him at that point as well. But oh, really? Both uh, of those? I believe so. Okay. But so obviously very close relationship there with Josh McDaniels, uh, one that dates back to when they were both here in Denver. Yeah, of course. And I, you know, I, I don't know if uh, how much Broncos fans would like that. I, uh, I'm kind of skeptical, Phil, that he'll leave New England. I mean, obviously, he's on the list of candidates. He's agreed and, you know, reportedly going to have an interview with the team. But I just, given that there's an opening in New England, I think teams often try to turn to people, especially the Patriots who are within the organization, know how things operate. So to me, I view him as a little bit more of a long shot, but we'll have to see. Yeah. You know, he was here for those first couple of seasons with Fox, too. So he... You know, a guy like Chris Harris Jr. who came in, I think Ziegler had some uh, something to do with that selection. So obviously uh, a bright mind and uh, somebody that the Broncos reportedly are going to take a look at here and just see if see if it's a good fit. And ultimately, I think that's what's going to be most important, Eric, is that it's just a good fit for a, a bit of a unique situation here coming in, you know, working, uh, you know, with 
reporting to John Elway, working with Vic Fangio, but also at the same time having ro- final roster say. So uh, I think it's going to have to just be uh, a, a good fit, ultimately, who the Broncos end up deciding here. Uh, let's move on to our next candidate, Eric, and that's uh, Terry Fontenot. Uh, of course, uh, the Saints have had a lot of success and uh, is one of those guys that, like you mentioned uh, earlier, a Super Bowl contender, that's where you tend to pick uh, future GMs. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're, they're a team that has just found a lot of talent over the years. I mean, look at that offense, Phil. You've got uh, Ryan Ramchick at right tackle. You've got, uh, you know, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. They signed Emmanuel Sanders in free agency. They've done a nice job of finding a guy like Taysom Hill. Um, off the waiver wire, a guy like Terry Fontenot is involved in the pro personnel side of things. So he likely has a hand in that sort of decision. So whenever you see success, Phil, you know, you're going to want to get someone who's been around that. But I think the key whenever you're interviewing someone from a great team is distinguishing, and this has hurt some teams when they've hired New England coaches in the past, is how do you distinguish greatness as a team and an organization from the individual. And so I'm sure that's something the Broncos will try to parse through during the interview process. And part of the other problem is that guys want to play with someone like Drew Brees, you know, so, uh, you know, you think about uh, picking up someone like Emmanuel Sanders this last off season. Well, when Drew Brees is a quarterback and Sean Payton is a head coach, a little bit easier to recruit players to come play uh, there in New Orleans, but obviously so much success down there in New Orleans. Uh, and it's because of the wealth of talent that is on the roster. And uh, he has been uh, uh, linked, I think, to the Atlanta job. I believe that he's uh, uh, been rumored to have interviewed there. So um, that might be a, a, a fit for him there, but definitely somebody that the Broncos reportedly are taking a look at and could come in here and uh, uh, be the next GM. So, And, and he has some interview experience in- experience interviewing before um, interviewed with the Jets last year. And I do think it's a good sign from him. A guy like Mickey Loomis, the Saints GM has been a strong advocate for him saying it's well-earned. They've done a fabulous job here. And that's what you ultimately want, Phil, is you don't want to lose good employees, but if you're doing something right, they are going to leave. And hopefully the Broncos get back to that here soon. Erica, the final candidate that has uh, been reported to be on the Broncos list is an internal candidate, Brian Stark. Um, He is the director of college scouting right now for the Broncos, uh, working under Matt Russell. John Elway knows the entire staff here in Denver. Um, Somebody that could just get elevated into this role and hit the ground running. Yeah, you know, he knows exactly what the Broncos want to do um, because he's been here. He would work well with John Elway, would work well with Vic Fangio. I think that would probably mean keeping a lot of the same people in the front office that currently work there. Obviously, uh, John Elway has said he'll advocate for those people, but it's ultimately up to the new GM. Um, he's taken on an increased role in recent years, has been promoted. Uh, I think most people probably wouldn't notice, but to us, Phil, it's apparent that Last year at the draft press conference, or I guess not last year because uh, two years ago, last non last non COVID year, Brian Stark was down there sitting alongside John Elway and Vic Fangio, which was kind of a departure. It was kind of an interesting thing to see. So it's clear how valued he is within the, in the department. We know the Broncos have drafted well the last couple of years with 
pro bowlers and Cortland Sutton and Bradley Chubb and Philip Lindsay. Um, you know, he's been there when they found a guy like Justin Simmons. So yeah, another good internal candidate. And I think that's what you, maybe the choice you go, if you, if you say, Hey, we're on the right path or we want to continue to do exactly what we're doing. We want to um, continue to keep the same strategies then maybe a guy like Brian Stark makes sense. Yeah, that would be um, against the narrative of let's try and bring in some fresh eyes. You know, that would be uh, just a little bit of a departure from that sort of thought process here. But definitely somebody who is well-trusted within the organization, has done a good job here the last couple of years uh, as the director of college scouting. Um, maybe not uh, the kind of person who is on a lot of people's radar right now around the NFL, but um, I think just uh, to have an opportunity to interview for this spot tells you what the Broncos think of him. And um, I agree with you, Eric, that it, it would send a message of, we feel like we're heading in a, in a direction that is positive. Let's try and stay in that, on that direction. So I think that that's what uh, uh, that would signify there with Brian Stark. So the, and we don't know, Phil, you know, what the front office will end up looking like, but I think that there's a chance that any new GM could bring in some new people and keep some existing uh, front office employees in Denver. So, you know, it's not necessarily out of the question that Brian Stark could remain with the team, even if somebody else is hired as GM and, uh, you know, given Stark's skill set and uh, his ability to find college players wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing at all. No, no, definitely somebody I think that if he does not end up getting the GM job, they would want to try and have a stick around. And, you know, it's similar to like when Vic Fangio came in as the head coach, he kept a lot of the staff that uh, had been in place in terms of uh, assistant coaches and that type of thing. Vance did that before. So, um, you know, there's a lot of Gary Kubiak holdovers coaching positions for the Broncos. So I sort of think about that in a similar way. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've got kind of two tiers here, if you will, you've got like three guys who are assistant GMs in champ Kelly, Peyton and Fontenot. And then you've got a couple more guys in uh, Ziegler and Stark that are like a level below assistant GM. And so, you know, for those people looking for a comparison point, maybe like a, a Kelly or a, um, a Fontenot or a Peyton, that's kind of like the equivalent of the job Matt Russell had when he was in Denver. And obviously he's going to retire. He declined the chance to interview uh, for the GM job, wants to spend time with family, but that's like a step away from GM. Whereas uh, the people like Ziegler Stark, they're two steps removed. And so Phil, I think you're taking a risk here either way. It is interesting to me that, um, no one that the Broncos are interviewing is a former GM. So anyone who comes in is going to be a first-time GM. You're working with a head coach who now has two years of experience, but was a first-time head coach. So to me, that's interesting that, you know, in some ways that in and of itself is fresh eyes, fresh ideas. Um, so we'll just have to see how that goes, but maybe that's a way to kind of handicap the race a little bit that you, you look at who is one step away from being a GM, who's two steps away and, you know, we'll just have to see. But what do you think of that that idea that um, they're right now at least only interviewing guys who would be first time GMs as opposed to looking at a guy like a, a Thomas Dimitrov or a, a John Dorsey who 
um, have held those roles before. Yeah, and Scott Pioli, uh, another name that's uh, available and, and making the interview rounds here. Uh, I do think that that's interesting, Eric. Um, I do think that maybe the role of GM maybe is starting to change a little bit compared to the way it was maybe 20 years ago. You know, I think that before you thought of a GM as, you know, sort of like uh, the president, then you thought GM and then coach, there was sort of this structural process, uh, you know, this structure here of a a hierarchy. But now so much talk about, okay, this guy's going to have to come in and work closely with Vic Fangio, you know, uh, that kind of a thought process on, okay, this is more of a partnership. You need, we need to be on the same page about the vision that the team is going in. We need to find players that fit this particular style of football and we need everything to mesh. And I do think that um, uh, maybe a younger guy, an up and comer guy, a guy who's been an assistant GM um, might fit that new role a little bit better than somebody who has done it one way for a long time and says, okay, I sort of set in my ways. This is how I want to come in and run things maybe a younger guy, I'm just speculating here. I mean, I have no idea what these guys, what their vision is, what, what they're going to be asked in the interviews. You know, um, the only thing I have to go off of is what Vic Bangio told me. And he said that he wants a talent evaluator. So um, I do think that that's going to be important. Somebody who's spent a lot of time evaluating talent, but I also think that in today's NFL, the GM also sort of has to be like, a great communicator, almost like sort of like a, a great manager of, of different people. They've got scouts all across the country doing all sorts of different things. You know, they, they've got to manage the roster. They got to work with coaches. I mean, you got to be a, a, a good communicator. And so I think that that's a, that's also a big priority for the Broncos. Yeah. You know, I think in talking to some people who have covered these candidates more closely, a lot of them do sound like that type of guy where they can, they can manage effectively. You know, you hear, like you mentioned, Phil Champ Kelly, just extremely kind, a great communicator, gets along with everybody. Um, somebody like George Payton, who I've been told everybody respects that you, um, you, you won't hear a bad word about, you know, Terry Fontenot, who's in charge of a process of finding, you know, guys out on the waiver wire that's important. And, you know, Champ Kelly organizing the top 100 draft prospects for the Bears. Those are important things. And I think when you singularly own that and you say, this is my process, this is what I'm in charge of, that gives you something tangible to bring into an interview and say, hey, I haven't held the GM role and there's going to be some challenges, but I've done these things that show I can do it. And I think, Phil, the other thing that hiring a young candidate does is it provides some staying power. And obviously, we hope that um, Vic Fangio, we hope the new GM find success, that the Broncos are in the playoffs every year. Um, But Vic Fangio is going to be 62 years old, I believe. At some point, you know, whether he says, I'm going to coach for five more years or seven more years or 10 more years or whatever, you look and you say, he's not going to do it forever. If you hire a GM who's 42, there's a chance they could be in that role for a very long time. And, you know, I get that in the pros, it's a little bit different. And there are very few uh, people that stick at a job for 10 to 15 years, but it is possible. I just think having a, some, some new ideas, maybe a younger approach to, to analytics or, or whatever it may be um, could be valuable for the Broncos. And so we'll just have to see how that plays out. But 
I like the, you know, getting the energy, somebody that can connect with the team, uh, be on the same page with Vic. And, and like you mentioned, Phil, just share a vision and stick to that vision. Because I think where the Broncos have gotten lost in the last couple of years is where, you know, in, in 2017, you say, hey, we're going to, we're going to sign, or excuse me, 2018, we're going to sign Case Keenum to fix this instantly, or we're going to get Joe Flacco to, to fix this instantly. And I think having somebody with a plan that, you know, maybe that doesn't mean you never go after a big trade or you never make a splash move, but it has to fit your vision. I think that's an important thing. Yeah. Obviously selling a vision to the committee that's going to hire this GM is going to be crucial, no matter who it is. I mean, uh, the Broncos are a team that's in a position here where it's teetering, you know, they could, they could, develop and really take a big jump next season and uh, really become the team. I think that most fans hope that they, they realize their potential, you know, or they could be a team that uh, goes out and gets a, a couple of big time free agents and goes in that direction. So there's like, you know, this is going to be a big off season for the Broncos. And we'll get into that uh, a little bit later here, just on what the number one priority is going to be, but selling that vision, to Joe Ellis, to John Elway, that's going to be crucial. You've got to have an idea of how you want to be able to do things. And I agree, you know, Eric, I think that uh, if you have a younger guy too, one nice thing that is going to be in position for him is having John still be involved somewhat. You know, obviously the final roster decisions, final say about big things is going to come down to the GM, but at least you'll have that sounding board for somebody who's done it for a long time and just say, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, just, you know, somebody to listen and have in your corner, I think is a big deal. And so the Broncos are in maybe a unique position where they can afford to go out and get a young guy and not just say, okay, good luck. You're on your own. You know, uh, they do have some um, sage wisdom in their corner. So. Eric, with that, uh, let's get to another sage wisdom kind of guy in the media. That's, of course, uh, NBC Sports. Peter King had a chance to catch up with him and talk to him about where the Broncos are in this GM search and uh, what he thinks of this Broncos position in terms of the vacancies in the NFL. Well, Peter, uh, there's never a dull moment in Denver always doing something as they head into the offseason. This time it's a GM search. Uh, Peter, what do you think makes this job attractive to some of the top candidates out there? Well, first of all, I, Phil, I think I would look at having John Elway look over your shoulder as more of a plus than an annoying minus. Um, I was just telling somebody this week that the thing I would do if I were a GM candidate is I would go into an interview and I would say to John Elway, Joe Ellis, whoever's involved, Vic Fangio, whoever's in the interview. And I would say, here's the way I would like to do this. Yes. I would like to have final say, you know, on personnel. Um, I, I think you have to in this position or else you're just neutered. But I would like to make one other request. And that request is I want you to take the 15 quarterbacks in this draft and the eight quarterbacks who are going to come loose, you know, Cam Newton, maybe Phillip Rivers, whoever else. Um, I want you to 
do a deep dive into all 20 available quarterbacks and let's make a decision together whether any of those are better options than uh, going with Drew Locke and a clear backup in 2021. In other words, do we want to bring in a legitimate challenger uh, for Drew Locke in training camp and in this offseason? Or do we want to give him one more year to confirm some of the promise that we've seen in him? And certainly there have been some excellent moments over the last, I guess you'd say, 13 months, you know, with Drew Locke. There haven't been enough of them, but there have been some excellent moments. So that would be my first and overwhelming desire. Uh, I would want to have control, but I'd want to have John Elway do the quarterbacks. And again, you know, Phil, a lot of people are going to hear that and they're going to say, well, geez, you know, Elway's the one who brought up. Elway's great. We love him. He's a legend. But Elway's the one who brought us Brock Osweiler. And Elway's the one who said, hey, Trevor Simeon's okay and, and all this stuff. You know, every year you have to try to win with the resources that you have uh, on the table that year. He has been in position to take some quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong. But I think that each year, when you look at the year individually, you know, you can understand why he did what he did. And I would not want to throw out all of that institutional knowledge and say, hey, John, you just sit in the back and wait for the cameras on draft day. Peter, I wanted to just touch on a couple of guys that the Broncos have been linked to uh, reportedly going to be interviewing here. One is George Payton from uh, Minnesota. Uh, what do you think about a guy like George and would he be a good fit for the Broncos? George Payton would be a good fit anywhere because he's a totally egoless worker bee who uh, has been very close to several jobs in the last few years. I think he's ready to go. Uh, I think he would like to be a GM. Um, if you ask uh, Rick Spielman, the GM of the, of the Vikings, you know, you look at the Vikings over the last few years, they've had a lot of draft choices. And I think he would tell you that George Payton, not just in the middle and late rounds, but also in free agency has been invaluable to him. So I'm bullish on George Payton. And the one other guy I wanted to touch on was uh, Champ Kelly. He's a guy who's been with the Broncos and then went over to Chicago and has been there the last several years. Obviously worked with Vic Fangio a little bit there and also John Elway in Denver. Do you think that, uh, you know, he's a rising star maybe amongst the personnel departments? You know, I don't know him. I obviously know of him. I don't know him, but he's very, very well thought of. Um, and the fact that um, if, if, if true, Phil, and I do not know if it's true, but if true, the fact that they seem, seem to favor him over Adam Peters, who uh, obviously he's with the 49ers uh, and he's, uh, you know, invaluable to, uh, to John Lynch in San Francisco. Um, and he's well known in Denver, obviously. But if they favor uh, Kelly over Peters, I think that speaks volumes for the regard that they have. And again, I don't know how well Vic Fangio knows him, but clearly 
Vic Fangio, had he been in Chicago, would have given a positive, uh, you know, a positive review because you're not going to want to bring in anybody who the head coach says, ah, you know, I was around him, wasn't that impressed. Broncos fans, though, clamoring for a guy like Peyton Manning to come back. Uh, you know Peyton maybe better than anybody else uh, in the media. Uh, do you think that he would ever be interested in a role like this, or or do you think he's holding out for a media job? You know, I I do know Peyton, but I've never once had a conversation with him where I said to him, ownership GM, number one analyst for a network, what job do you want? You know, so I don't know. I do know that Peyton has really enjoyed his, uh, you know, doing this series the last two years, you know, the Peyton's Places series, and he's very good at it. And I would be surprised if he threw his hat in the ring with one of these networks uh, if he didn't get a primo job for huge money a year. Um, on the other hand, I have talked to him about his love of living in Denver and his love of having a fairly normal life. I think he likes to be carpool dad. I think he likes to be go to the game of games of my kids, dad. Um, and I know somebody who knows him much better than I do, told me the last go round, it wasn't this past year, I think it was two years ago, when I think he was seriously considering um, a television job, uh, especially like a Monday night job where they would, you know, ESPN would give anything to have Peyton Manning. But I think the way Peyton would do this job would be so limiting to Peyton Manning, the dad, that it would be hard for him because Phil, you know that he is a nut job about, about preparation and about uh, doing the job the right way. So this job is interesting because Peyton could live at home, obviously, and he could do the job. But I just think that I don't, I think he, if to do the job the right way, he would have, he would be working like Joe Gibbs or Mike Shanahan or these, the, 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 the crazy coaches who work the 15 and 16 hour days. I just don't sense that he wants to do that right now, but I could be wrong. I've not talked to him about it. I've not asked him about it. My gut feeling is he likes being a dad and somebody who is with his kids a lot during the week. Well, I agree with you, Peter. Yeah, he would be all in. He'd be there in the early mornings when the trash, trash men were coming to collect stuff. So uh, the last one I have for you here, you mentioned that number one priority is figuring out that quarterback position. Uh, maybe priority number two might be a decision on Von Miller. Uh, the Broncos have a team option on him coming up here. Obviously missed all of last season with the injury. What do you think uh, about his future here, maybe in Denver or elsewhere? I think that there's a chance it's going to be linked to uh, what happens to the salary cap. My gut feeling is that the Broncos really want to bring him back in once and for all 
see what happens when you have a healthy Bradley Chubb and Von Miller rushing the passer. Because at the end of the day, Phil, now, if you look at this division, okay, you have probably the greatest quarterback there is in Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Play him twice a year. You've got the best young quarterback, the best rookie quarterback to come in the league in a while, uh, Justin Herbert with the Chargers. Play him twice a year. And you have, when healthy, uh, you know, when, they, when all the weapons are healthy, uh, you have an extraordinarily explosive offense potentially in Las Vegas. You play them twice a year with a good quarterback who might not be as good as the other guys, but on a given day, he can light you up for 350 easy. So I guess the way I look at it is, you know, when you make that decision, you have to make it with keeping in mind that basically 40% of your schedule or whatever it is, is against automatically against three offenses that if you don't disrupt their quarterback, you're going to have to score 35 to win. And you don't want to be in position to have to do that. And I love the Vic Fangio defense because basically it's a unique defense and it's hard to prepare for and all that. But if you don't have the great rush people in any defense, um, you know, you're not going to have a great chance to win. And I guess, Phil, overall, what I would say is I want to find out where the cap is and I want to find out uh, whether Von Miller is willing to play ball salary-wise uh, with me. Obviously, he can go somewhere else, uh, assuming he's healthy in March and April, and play and be impactful. So there will be interest in him. But I would probably want to try to keep him if he's going to be healthy. But I, I don't know that I want to keep him unless he plays ball with us on the salary cap. Peter, thank you so much for your time. Always really appreciate your insight. Okay, Phil, you have a good day. My thanks to Peter King for taking some time to chat here on the Neutral Zone. Pretty good get, huh, Eric? That's nice. <laughs> That's pretty good, pretty good. Uh, always enjoy uh, chatting with Peter King, so thank you very much for that, Eric, uh, for that God, what am I trying to say, Eric? What am I trying to say? I'm flustered. You just want to thank me all the time. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to do. Um, what I was trying to do was transition, Eric, and talk a little bit about what do you think the number one priority for the, whoever ends up being the next general manager of the Denver Broncos is? Um, this is difficult because I think you could go a, different, a couple of different ways. You could say, you know, sign Justin Simmons, figure out just, you know, Von Miller's contract, um, you know, decide whether you want to keep Philip Lindsay, decide who your quarterback is. I'm looking for the uh, number one. I, I'm going to go more, part. I'm going to go more big picture, Phil. I think you've got to decide, is this team, and we talked about this on Monday or Tuesday, is this team actually close to competing with the Kansas City Chiefs? And if they are, and, you know, I think, you know, you can make a very strong argument that they are, that they have the pieces on offense, that they could reload on defense, that uh, Drew Locke, when he's playing well, is, is good enough to compete. Certainly we saw that in Arrowhead. If you decide that they are, you take an approach, you take a vision, you have a plan where you're aggressive and you go out and you maybe you sign some big name free agents. Maybe you try to just plug a couple final holes in the draft and you go after it. 
if you don't think you're close, you know, if you say, hey, even if we weren't injured last year, we were still going to be an eight win team, then you've got to decide, hey, do we need to, you know, you're not going to get rid of guys like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Noah Fant and Bradley Chubb, but do we need to, you know, let Vaughn go? Do we need to decide if it's worth extending Justin Simmons? Do we need to, um, you know, see if we can find a young quarterback in the draft? All the, all the decisions that may get the headlines, Phil, I think stem from that initial decision of evaluating the roster honestly and saying, where do we stand? And once you make that decision, I think a lot of them fall into place because if you decide, hey, we're not that close, maybe the Vaughn situation is handled differently or the Justin situation is handled differently or the Drew situation is handled differently. But that decision has to be made first. There has to be an honest and open evaluation of, of where you stand. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of a, a, a 10,000, 50,000 foot level uh, decision, you know, that's sort of overarching the whole organization. We, but we talk about vision and, you know, that's, I think the vision has to be decided first before you make any, because when this uh, new general manager comes in, the first press conference fill is going to be like, what's your plan? How do you anticipate working with Vic? But in that same press conference, the questions are going to be, what's Von Miller's future like? What's Justin Simmons's future like? What's Drew Locke's future like? What's Philip Lindsay's future like? And all those things are important, but they're not, each of those is not made in a vacuum, you hope. You hope they're made with that vision in mind of where the team is going and what's the best way to get the team back to the playoffs or back to division contention. Uh, and, and so that's why, you know, I'm taking kind of a, a 50,000 foot look at it instead of, you know, obviously finding the quarterback is the most important thing, but I'm looking at a little bit more high level. So you're like, I said, what was the biggest priority? And you said all the priorities and you're like, all of the priorities are, I said, deciding is this team ready to compete for a division title or close? And if you're not, then maybe you evaluate, you you know, how do we get there? Because the worst thing you can do, Phil, and the Broncos have, they've kind of been there, even in this, this stretch where we've been not so great and have not made the playoffs. Broncos have never had one win or two wins or three wins or enough to like really make a franchise altering pick. They've kind of been stuck in that middle ground. Yes. I I think that that, I think that when they picked number five overall, that's probably, that was a, probably a a moment where they were hoping to get a, a franchise altering type of pick and, We'll see what Bradley Chubb ends up being here for the Broncos. But to me, I think the answer to that vision is Drew Locke. You know, if you think that Drew Locke is going to be the guy and is going to put this team in the best position to win games in the short term and the long term, because let's face it, Eric, when you hit year three as the guy here in Denver, you got to win games now. You know, uh, there's no, no longer is it, oh, I'm still developing and we're going to get these problems fixed. The problems need to get fixed right now. And, and I think that if this new GM comes in and says, I believe in Drew, I scouted Drew, or we had conversations wherever we were prior, uh, we like Drew Lock. If that person comes in with that vision and, and makes that decision, that's going to tell you a lot about where the direction of the Broncos are going here. Um, if that person doesn't believe in Drew Lock but thinks that the rest of the roster is ready to win right now, they could easily bring back Justin, bring back Vaughn, make a big move and bring in a, a, a veteran and go for it right now. Or they're going to say, 
this team as a whole is not really close. Let's draft a young quarterback. Let's have him develop. And maybe three, four years from now, this team will be close. So I think that the answer to your question, what I said or no, that, but I think specifically the answer to your question is the quarterback position. So like, Instead of saying, oh, it's all these different other guys, I say, I'm telling you, deciding what the vision is for the quarterback will t- answer all other questions. So that's that's got to be the biggest priority. And the interesting thing is John Elway and Vic Fangio, guys who picked Drew Locke to come in here, are going to be hiring this next GM. So sort of an interesting situation where you're you're saying, okay, well, what do you think of the job we've been doing here? hard to walk into that situation and say, well, I don't think this is going in the right direction here. You guys need to change this. You need to do this. A tough sell, but I think that you have to be honest in the interview process. And I think that John Elway and Vic Fangio are big enough to respect the opinions there, but that's got to be sort of an interesting conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think those are part of the tough conversations you have when you're interviewing for one of 32 of the most important jobs in professional sports. I mean, you have to, you can't be afraid to, but in some of these other situations, you're not, you're not being inserted into something where it's, it's, it's already been decided, you know, in a lot of these situations, it's like the owner who's hiring this GM and then the GM is going to come in and do what they want. This guy's already got a head coach in place, already has John Elway there already has this group that's going to be deciding whether or not this person gets hired. I mean, we just saw in Washington where they spent the 15th overall pick on Dwayne Haskins, and then the next year brought in Ron Rivera. Um, you know, they hired Jason Wright as the president. They bring in different leadership. Dan Snyder is the one who said draft Dwayne Haskins, and Ron Rivera and Jason Wright came in there and were willing to say to the owner of the football team, not to the yes. the GM or the coach, "Hey, we want to that release this guy." That, <laughs> yes. well, yeah. Well, but the you know, Ron Rivera has yeah. his vision. He stuck to his vision. If a GM candidate comes into the Broncos and doesn't think that Drew Locke is the guy and pretends like he is for the sake of getting along Can't with do that. Yeah. Vic Fangio or in John Elway, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting Vic Fangio up for failure. You're setting Drew Locke up for failure. You're setting the team up for failure. I mean, it just doesn't work. And so, yeah, it might be difficult to have that conversation. I will say you at least have the final say here. There are some teams that hire a GM. You know, Carolina, for example, is going to hire a general manager. It doesn't have say over personnel. So to me, that's a harder sell. Why would you want to go there and, and have your ideas and then not be able to make the final decision? That's, exactly. That's no, more I, difficult. I agree. I agree with that. I agree with I, all of that. I'm just saying that's an interesting so, – that's got to be difficult to come in and say, you know, I don't. I, I have a different I vision that, than you guys. But I think the Broncos recognize that something is not working. Otherwise, they would not have done this. I think – to listen to Joe Ellis talk about John's decision to step down or to step into an, an elevated role, but step out of the day-to-day responsibilities, it's clear they know something isn't working. If things were all sunshine and daisies, the Broncos would be 12 and four, 13 and three every year and be in the playoffs and not be having this conversation. So I think they realize that they need to have some tough conversations, evaluate everything. I'm sure Vic Fangio doesn't want to consider giving up play calling duties, but he said he's going to look at that along with everything else. Um, and I will say, Phil, we like Drew. We like his confidence. We like his talent. We, we, he's shown flashes. I think Vic Fangio would put you at quarterback, Phil, if it meant it gave the Broncos the best chance to go 12-4 and four and win the division. So 
whatever the evaluation is, you know, that's what they're going to follow. You can't have loyalty here to an old idea or an old player, whoever it might be, just for the sake of doing it so that you don't hurt anybody's feelings. That's how you end up in, in trouble. And people give Bill Belichick a hard time because he cuts people a year early and he, you know, he's kind of considered like cold and ruthless, but there's a reason that they're in Not in the playoffs almost. this year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. kidding. And what, they won seven games, eight games? I mean, they, they, for not having a quarterback that played well, they still did better than the Broncos. So I, I think there is something to that method. Of course, you cannot make emotional decisions and st- and hope to contend and hope to be relevant every year. You've got to be, you've got to make the best decisions for the Broncos. Um, so whatever that is, I hope that the new GM can come in, speak freely, but it is an interesting situation where you're telling people, I, I think they should, that the Broncos should go in a different direction here moving forward. And that's my vision as the next GM. That is an interesting situation, but I agree with you that I do think that the Broncos as an organization are big enough to recognize that things haven't been up to the standard the last couple of years. And uh, it's time to get some differing perspectives maybe on how, how to proceed here moving forward. Not to say that the next GM is going to shake things up, just having fresh eyes maybe or uh, a different thought process or maybe a new voice in the room could be beneficial uh, if they go with one of the outside candidates, Eric. So. Just to your New England point, because you like to take a little shot up, there. Yeah, the, This was New England's worst year in like 20 years. The Jets have seven who, seasons. Who was huh? there for all of those years? The guy who's struggled to make a wild card berth in Tampa. Oh my goodness gracious! You're just gonna yeah. blast Tom Brady like that? We got a 50 year old oh Drew Brees goodness. out there with broken ribs who's playing better than Tom Brady. I don't want to hear. Oh about my him. goodness! The wow. Jets, the Jets have won more than seven games like twice in the last decade. New yeah. England gets seven wins and it's the sky is falling. Of course, Bill Belichick is a genius, the best head coach that's ever led uh, in the National Football League. He, he is the guy, he's created the system that all these other organizations have tried to model it after. Of course, he's a genius, but I will say heading into this year, there was a lot of thought, okay, now that Brady and Belichick have gone their different directions, their different ways, who is going to have the better season, Brady or Belichick? And it turns out that Tom Brady did. So I, that is a fact. So it is a fact. New England also had like 10 of their best players opt out. Yes. But we'll see, we'll see what happens next year when uh, Belichick drafts Justin Fields or trades <laughs> Sam Darnold and they're exactly. back in the AFC championship. We'll they see what happens. Be. Yes, they would be. Uh, he's obviously uh, the greatest coach that's ever lived. So there's no debating. That. You, you that's just, not... Matt Stafford would go to New England and your heart would just crack into a million pieces. Exactly. Exactly. I'd be like, I'd be like, so uh, when, how do you, huh? how do you feel today as everyone has jumped off the Matt Stafford bandwagon? I mean, people have been tweeting at me with Matt Stafford to Denver. I think their names now are they want, Deshaun, what, Deshaun Watson. Watson. To Denver. Yeah. There's no way that's happening. It'd be very exciting though. That would be exciting. Who would you give up, Eric? What, what, what would you have to do? Um, probably, 
three first rounders and three second rounders, I think you would have a, a conversation. Then so you, you're looking at your next, the next time you drafted somebody like Jerry Judy would be in year eight of his career. Like, <laughs> <you're> just, <laughs> yes. That yeah. means that player who is going to be drafted is in seventh grade. 20, <laughs> yeah. Your average roster age would be 36. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But I would say if there was one franchise where that could happen, Houston would be that. And they've got a yeah. new general manager. You know, maybe they Look, want here's, to here's do a way to, Here's the way to put way. it, Phil. Would you trade Paxton Lynch, Sylvester Williams, and Bradley Roby for Deshaun Watson? Uh, that is not one way that I would look at it. Uh, I, I would <laughs> not look not? at it. Because you just those made are, like Those three, are three first-round picks. I know that. But those weren't the best uh, first-round picks. Um, but the, you imagine that if you get Deshaun Watson, you're, you're picking at the end of the first round. Yeah. I mean, you can even say, would you trade Jerry Judy, Bradley Chubb, and Noah Fant for Deshaun Watson? That's an interesting. Yes. That's See, more that's of more. a. Well, what exactly. would you? I don't know. Or you don't want to go on the right. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want. <laughs> you're like. I don't want to talk next about topic. That. Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> I haven't I haven't thought about it. I don't want to say something where Paxton I didn't one. think I'll about go on record saying I'll do the Paxton one. Yeah. I do tend to think that Deshaun Watson is probably where where would you put him right now? He's like um maybe the sixth or seventh best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I would say he's behind Mahomes, Rodgers, Russell Wilson, uh, Josh Allen. I'd probably take Josh Allen. I think this point that's then where you're in the maybe Andrew Luck if he unretires could be a nice option. You're in that Von it, Miller camp where he thinks that's gonna happen. Think, yeah. Is that what Vaughn thinks? I think so. Yeah, he told that oh. to uh, uh, Kay Adams on one of those broadcasts, like one of those game. Oh, broadcasts. he thinks he thinks Andrew Luck is coming back. Yes, that would be that would be tremendous. <laughs> yeah, so. Eric, with that, let's get to five uh, first round picks for that guy. (laughs) You do the Ricky Williams trade, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, let's get to our uh, uh, picks for this weekend's games. Um, Of course, it'd be nice if the Broncos were playing uh, in the wild card here this weekend, but alas, we've got six games to pick. Uh, It's going to be. You handle six? I think I can. That's a lot, Phil. I can handle it. I can handle it. So uh, the, we'll just uh, take some picks here straight up. No, no spread, nothing like that. But you That's know, soft, uh, but okay. That is soft. That is soft. Okay. I'm, You're gonna tell me I'm just going to pick the. Yeah, I'm just going to pick the the winner here. Uh, who you okay. who you like here? Indianapolis or Buffalo? I think Buffalo. They're playing really well. Yes, they are. They're playing very, very, very well. The last time they lost a game. If, let's see when was this against the cardinals here eric that was a long long time ago yeah exactly that was november 15th and they lost by two points on a hail mary you know yeah and then say Fred, your fern behind you hadn't even grown yet but it, we yeah. know it's fake so it looked exactly the same it was just germinating at that point eric yeah exactly you like that word you like that okay Next game, uh, I'm with you. I'm taking the Bills. Uh, Rams okay. at Seattle. Mm. It's a tough one because the Rams are uh, they're hot and cold. When they play exactly. well, they play really well. And the Seahawks do struggle with them, but I think Seattle will win a close one. 
and that's a, a division division matchup. Anytime you see a divisional matchup in the playoffs, you're like, you throw Ooh. the records out. You throw it out. Um, normally, I would say, hey, that's in Seattle. That's a huge game, but no fans there, so um, still in Seattle. It's still in Seattle, but it's not like it's not like you're walking into the Thunderdome, right? That you're not walking into a ruckus environment. I'll still ruckus. take Seattle. Ruckus. Ruckus? Ruckus. Ruckus is different. Ruckers? You're making me go very close to smug, Phil, and the listeners are not going to like it. <laughs> I'm trying to get you there. Uh, I'll also take Russell Wilson. I, I just like uh, – uh, like, and Goff, obviously, some injury problems there, so – I'm going to go with Russell Wilson in this one. You're out on John Walford, huh? Um, I'm assuming you're taking Washington over Tampa Bay. So I'll just go ahead and put that down. <laughs> oh, is that not true? Um, I think the the Buccaneers have benefited here from getting an easy matchup. I think they'll win, but so they, ain't going to the super, they ain't going to the Super Bowl, Phil. You're taking Tom Brady in this in this matchup. Yeah, this year he'll win a wild card game. It'll be a nice change of pace. I believe Adam Schefter tweeted that this is the first time in Tom Brady's career that he is the he's playing for a wild card team. Ever. That's un, it's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Yes, it is. Thanks, Bill Belichick. Appreciate you. Uh, I will also take Tampa Bay, especially since Chase Young egged on Tom Brady a little bit. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, those two going at it. Uh, then on, so that wraps up Saturday, Eric. On Sunday, Baltimore at Tennessee. Mm, I think uh, Baltimore is going to run all over them. They just ran for 400 yards the other day, Phil. Yes, I think that uh, Baltimore played in a very tough division this year. Three of the four teams made the playoffs uh, in that AFC North. I think that Baltimore is better than their record suggests, and I'm a if little. I'm, yeah, they got woofy. Um, I'm a little hesitant because I'm not sure what to expect from Tennessee. Like Tennessee can beat anybody, but also they could go to Green Bay and get blasted. So like, I feel like I feel like you're just not sure. You mean in the regular season? Yeah, well, they had a nice playoff run. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tennessee's not going to Green Bay in the playoffs. That just happened the, the other week there where they got blasted on Sunday night yeah, football. So true. that's why I said that. So like, I wouldn't expect a playoff team to just get run out of the stadium that way, but that's what happened. They also so. almost lost to Houston last week. So yeah. So I will a take, tough. I'll also take a Lamar Jackson and company there too. So we're four for four on the same page here, Eric. I don't like that. I don't like it. There's just, there's not a lot of competitive games. I don't think this weekend. Next well, I think some get a little spicy. Be, yeah, but there, but I think you might be uh, in for some surprises. There's always a couple surprises on Wild Card Weekend, Eric. Um, okay. Chicago at New Orleans. <laughs> Not going to be one of those surprises. I though. don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I think the Although, Saints probably blast them. But the Saints, it might come down to like a late call, so you know, a pass interference or something. And shh, yeah, there's there's no team which it frustrates me because. Uh, of Tampa, like I don't think there's like a really dominant team in the NFC. You don't think that the Packers or Saints are dominant? Oh, sorry, the Packers. I'm looking at Wild Card Weekend team. Yeah, the Packers are really good. I don't think there's like a real a real challenger to the Packers. Whereas I think uh, the Saints the are AFC, really good. Uh, Alvin Kamara scored six touchdowns in one game. 
every time the Saints are really good, they go to the playoffs and like they just forget how to play football. Really? Uh, what was it? Didn't they beat some some team in the Super Bowl? Yeah, we're talking 10 years ago. You're going back to your 60s. Uh, The same head coach and quarterback are still playing for that organization. So, yeah, the quarterback, it's kind of a problem, huh? Okay, so we'll both take the Saints. I think that uh, uh, I think the Saints are really good. So, Uh, this might be the best game of the weekend, Eric, then uh, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. You don't think so? This This might be the worst game of the weekend. Cleveland at Pittsburgh, I'm saying. Yeah. What you know, Cleveland doesn't have a head coach and like 10 of its players. Yeah, but they just beat the Steelers a week ago. With Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, this could get ugly, I think. Really? This really? is going to challenge your take, Phil, that head coaches don't matter. And um, they're, just, they're like, take. let's just pick a random guy on the sideline and let him call plays. I mean, how cursed must you feel if you're Cleveland? You haven't made the playoffs in two decades. You know, you just – you finally, you almost screwed up against the Steelers' backup quarterback. You sneak into the playoffs, you get in, you feel great, and then your play caller tests positive for COVID and can't coach the game. That's just, it's like a little rain cloud just follows that team around. It's very sad. You feel bad for them? I would have, I would have cheered for Cleveland. I still probably will. I would like to see Cleveland win a playoff game. I don't, hmm. I don't want them to win the Super Bowl necessarily, but. Uh- um, I do who, think who that do Pittsburgh. To, I do think do Pittsburgh will win. win who do I want to win the whole thing? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question because I tend to hate all other teams. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think that it would be or give me like your preferred Super Bowl matchup or something. If you can't give me one team, um, if if uh, you could just pick two teams to play each other, I would love to see Buffalo and New Orleans play each other in the Super Bowl. Mm, you love Drew Brees, huh? Um, I I feel like that team has been like sort of cursed a little bit, just in terms of like they're always really good, but something weird happens and then they lose. Like the Rams, like Gate type situation. I didn't like that, Eric. But and so I tend to maybe that's why they've been cursed. But um, you know, you're talking about the the Minnesota Miracle. Okay, boom, their season's over. Pretty play, Case Keenum. <laughs> you're talking about um the no no call on the pass interference boom your season's over i tend to think that the last maybe like four years five years the saints have been super bowl contenders and they haven't even played in the game so you know what happens when like one of those terrible things happens to the chiefs patrick mahomes says let's run wasp and then they just get a 40 yard completion on third down and they win yeah that is true yeah so, so you want teams. the Chiefs? You want the Chiefs to win? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I would love to see the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl. I think that would be tremendous. That would be exciting. But also, I do think maybe this is the end for Drew Brees, and so I tend to get a little sentimental, and I tend to think, okay, let's just let him go out on top. Maybe you know, it's gonna, it might be guy. the end for Tom Brady when Chase Young snaps him in half. <laughs> Gosh, you're a hater, aren't you? You're a hater. Well, I think yeah, you might get accused in the comments of being a Tom Brady apologizer, a lover. I mean, you just big fan of Tom Brady over here with the fake fern. <laughs> Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. <laughs> You're a real fern. 
Um, it would be exciting though, because I do think for Bill's mafia, the, the fans there in Western New York, they're crazy about football. That would be uh, pretty, pretty exciting for them. It would suck if they made it to the Super Bowl and lost though. That's true. That would suck for them. Yeah. So how about Eric, uh, how many years in a row has it now been that, uh, the team that lost in the Super Bowl did not make the playoffs? It's been it's been uh, uh, quite a bit. I'm trying to think. That's yeah. true. Yeah. The other thing that's encouraging um, that's encouraging on the flip side of that is that Wait, there's what? the the page. I'm sure the Patriots made it back to the playoffs after losing the Super Bowl to the Eagles. Oh yeah, maybe the other maybe then maybe so, other than the Patriots. It's been two years, crazy. It's been that's wild. Other than the Patriots, normally the team that loses the Super Bowl. See you later. Although the Broncos did that other after they lost. Other than the Broncos, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Huh. Maybe I need to go back and look at that before I start just bringing it up. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, before you so rudely interrupted me, Eric, I was going to say there's several teams that made the playoffs this year that did not last year, which is encouraging for the Broncos. We've been saying that for a few years now, huh? Who's that? Cleveland, Chicago, Indianapolis, your beloved Colts, uh, the Buccaneers, Washington. Yeah. It's possible, you know, the Rams. So all it takes is uh, one year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I will say um, there's always a team that goes worst to first in a division in the last few years. As bad as it's been, the Broncos have not been worst, I don't think, except for maybe when they had the fifth overall pick. They're back in fourth place now. So maybe only two years ago. (laughs) They missed the playoffs, what, five years in a row? (laughs) There's been some time. (laughs) Uh, Eric, with that, uh, we better wrap up this show. Uh, You got any uh, shout outs? Nope, I'm just going to sit here quietly. You can handle this portion of the show. You don't have any shout outs. Oh, you're going to do that to Liz Manis? I'll sh- shout out to, to Liz Manis. Murray. Got it. Are you grumpy over there? No, I just, I've been trying very nice, very much to be kind to you. And you just, maybe that wasn't your New Year's resolution. <laughs> What's that, your New Year's resolution to be nice? Yeah. Were you not listening at the beginning of the show? I didn't know you made a resolution, Eric. I think you just said you were going to try and be nice. No, I said a fan wrote in and said that that should be my New Year's resolution. Oh, God. Oh, I see. But you didn't adopt it. Hopefully, hopefully the people listening to the podcast pay more attention to the person who's part of the podcast. Well, when you tend to go on and on and on, I usually zone out a little bit and think we've got to have some sort of quality information that is true and (laughs) provide some value. So you're going to say shout out to the fan who uh, sent that in. Yeah. Eric, and what was what was their name? Who sent that email in? I'm pretty sure it's Jeff Flanagan. Just throw out a name. When in doubt, okay. assume it's Jeff Flanagan. Got it. Our we good appreciate friendship. you, Jeff. Yes, exactly. We'll get back to uh, some voicemails here uh, pretty pretty soon. Hopefully, uh, after the Broncos make a GM hire. Yeah. Because until then, we've got really important things to talk about. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back uh, some point next week. Uh, not exactly sure when. When? When do you think, Eric? Right after 
a or, GM makes a hire. I wouldn't make, or the I wouldn't make, make any a GM promises. Hire. You can't keep them. Yeah. Whenever the Broncos make a GM hire, we'll be back. If it's uh, longer than next week, we'll be back before then. <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So uh, our thanks uh, once again to uh, NBC Sports' Peter King for taking some time to uh, be a part of such an esteemed podcast such as the Neutral Zone. So uh, our thanks to him. Um, we talked about the five candidates that have been reportedly uh, uh, linked to the Broncos being interviewed. Uh, so we'll have to uh, s- stay patient and see what happens here. But uh, we went over the, the five of them and also what priority number one is. Well, I came up with priority number one. Eric uh, talked about like six or seven different priorities. So, And with that, we all say goodbye for Eric Dalala. I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to... The The Neutral Neutral Zone. Zone. This is Bronco Batman. And you're listening to The Neutral Zone.